This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today we have an awesome guest with us, Taylor Lagasse, who's the co-CEO and co-founder at Kinship, an influencer marketing agency. Super excited to have Taylor on the program here. We're going to be talking about an awesome strategy that he ran with Animal House Fitness, helping them grow from basically zero to $1 million in four months using creators and just a bunch of other stuff around creator marketing. He's an expert in the space. Um, you should definitely follow him on Twitter if you're not already following him. I know he tweets a lot of stuff about influencer marketing and creator marketing. But before we dive into everything that we have lined up over here, pass the mic over to Taylor. Taylor, welcome to the show. If you want to give a quick little intro, uh, tell us about kind of what you do, what your background is, and a little bit more about kinship as well. Yeah, I mean, man, I need to hire you to start doing my intros every day of the week when I get on to like any sort of client or BD calls. That was awesome. But excited to be here. Yeah, co-CEO, co-founder of Kinship, an influencer marketing agency uh, within the D2C e-commerce space. Here to talk about the Animal House Fitness case study today. Uh, a little bit of background on me. Prior to starting Kinship, I was at a growth agency called Common Thread Collective, where I spearheaded the influencer department there and ran paid media. Prior to that, was at an NFL marketing agency called Athletes First doing the macro celebrity influencer deals. Think Clay Matthews, Aaron Rodgers, State Farm, sort of commercials and that type of thing. And then played football at UCLA. And during my time there, started like an events company, I would say with uh, PDD's son, Justin Combs, who was a teammate of mine. So all throughout my career, it's been nothing but influencer marketing. A little bit of background, what brought me here today. But yeah, uh, Kinship is an influencer marketing agency. We're coming alongside brands within the e-commerce D2C space. Yeah, sweet. That's an awesome intro. So I know we're here to talk about a little bit of creator strategy. I know you got connected over here on the podcast through your tweet about your strategy that you did for Animal House Fitness. So let's kind of talk uh, through that a little bit. I know you have your full thread on your Twitter account, but for those that might not have gone through it and read through it or looking for a little bit more context there, can you kind of describe the the strategy that you that you ran or just kind of take us like step by step or even play by play for going from zero to a million in, in four months, which is pretty insane to do for any brand. Yeah, I would love to. And Jay, and please help navigate this conversation as well. But my ideal scenario from this podcast is everybody leaves with an action plan. I don't want to hide any trade secrets here. I want to be able to be as transparent as possible with A through Z, what you're exactly asking for, your step-by-step process, of how you can go try this out internally and see if you can get a win for yourself. So yeah, would love to hand deliver the playbook here to start it off. What it is we did prior to launching any sort of paid media and what we would recommend brands doing, even if you're launching a brand or wherever you are in the life cycle of a brand. Um, if it's your first year, 10 years in, whatever it is, just get going with this now. We did influencer seating. Um, and so what is influencer seating? Influencer seating, a quick definition is just seating your product out to influencers, no strings attached. So each month, what we did was seed a minimum of 100 influencers, the product um, on a monthly basis. And so in order to seed your product to 100 influencers, you obviously have to identify the right people. 
and you have to reach out to them. And typically, for identification purposes, we used a platform called Tagger. If you're familiar with the influencer marketing space, you may have heard of Grin, Aspire IQ. We vetted them all for identification purposes, but Tagger specifically ended up being the most robust for that purpose. That's a costly platform for some, maybe. And if you're looking just to try out this, I would recommend getting on Facebook Brand Collabs Manager. That's a free tool to be able to use. But that's for identification purposes. Identify a mass list of influencers that are great content creators that align well with your brand. Reach out to all of them saying with a message saying, hey, Jay, we think you're a great brand fit. We absolutely love the content you consistently put out. We think you'd love our product. We want to send it to you no strings attached. And what we mean by that is we have no expectation of you to post whatsoever. Just send us your address. We'll get this right out to you. So, Jay, even though we're communicating, we have no expectations whatsoever. Of course we do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on this podcast talking about this in the first place. This wouldn't have scaled this brand from zero to a million in four months. So out of all the influencers that we reach out to, we typically see a minimum of 20% opt-in to receive product. And out of those influencers that end up receiving product, we typically see a minimum of 30% of those influencers end up posting on average two to three pieces of media each, right? So if you reach out to, just to give you a quick math breakdown, if you reach out to 500 influencers, typically see 100 influencers end up opting in to receive the product. And then out of those 100 influencers that end up opting in to receive product, we see 30 of those influencers posting 60 to 90 assets. So all of that for 100 product sendouts I mean, as you know, being in the influencer space, like being within the creator space, that's insane, right? If you go to any influencer marketing agency in the world, or if you try to do, you know, engage in the pay for post model directly with influencers as a brand, for 30 influencers posting 60 to 90 assets, that's a minimum of a 30K fee. You just got that for the cogs of 100 products. The cogs of this product was 30 bucks. So it ended up being $3,000 in product to get all of that. And then we're following up for usage rights. Content is king. So we're following up for usage rights as soon as they post with a message saying, hey, Jay, thanks so much for sharing this content with your audience. We'd love to be able to share this content with our audiences as well. Can we have the rights to do so? And then we repurpose that all into paid media and scale that content within that channel as well, Facebook and Instagram ads. So that's a lot. I'm going to stop there. That's a high level. I know I word vomited on you and the listeners here, but I wanted to allow you to nitpick it feedback, comments, concerns. Yeah, for sure. Then that's a great like high level way that you kind of like describe that. So definitely want to dive into a little bit more detail over there. I know like a big part of the thread that you would put together over there and even this like strategy is about the ultimate goal, which is generating the content and using it for ads. For the listeners that are out there, like, can you explain like why this is such a crucial part of this equation and like how much, like even if you have any numbers or things like that that you can share on on like ROAS or, or things like that from this kind of like experience that you can share. Yeah, so in that initial month, we had a four ROAS on the investment that was put into it. Uh, but content specifically, it's even more so. I was gonna say content is king, creative is everything. When we launched this brand at the end of last year, but even now, more, right? Post iOS 14 update. Post iOS 14 update, the name of the game to win uh, within this landscape is creative, creative, creative. Um, and then who are the best content creators? The people that are doing it that are native to the platform, right? These people that are influencers have proven organically to be able to create content that engages with people on this platform, that gets people to engage with their content, that builds a following for themselves, 
So the hypothesis is here, they can create content for your brand that will move the needle and ultimately convert the end viewers of your brand and your product and your service. So creative is king. You want to get as much of it as possible from the people that are just full stack content creators at home that are professionals at doing it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely want to test out a lot of creative. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. Even terms of like expectations for this kind of like process. I know you mentioned like the cost uh, that it was for Animal House Fitness, like about 3K essentially for product. In terms of like finding success, just generally speaking with with creators and kind of like figuring out, you know, who the creators are that you want to work with, how much like product to seed and uh, or give or like share. What kind of expectations should brands have around like budget and relating it to like finding success with creators and like is it related at all and how is it kind of related as well i can take that question a couple different ways Um, budget wise typically what we recommend people that are you know looking to build out and care about influencer marketing as a channel we typically let them know hey we recommend budgeting two percent of your annual revenue towards product seeding over the course of the year, right? So if you're a million dollar brand, like Animal House Fitness after four months, you're looking at 2% of a million, or we're working with $20,000, right? In product to send out over the course of a year. And just to set up these expectations, $20,000 in product, let's just use an easy number here, $10 is your COGS or $20 is your COGS. You're looking at being able to send out a thousand products, right? thousand products over a year. Let's just divide it by 10. I know it's divided by 12, but just purposes to make it easy. A hundred products per month, send out a hundred products per month, hundred products being sent out 20% of that you're getting going to get, or yeah, 20% of that 20 influencers posting two to three assets each. You're looking at 40 to 60 or no, 30% of those influencers end up posting these same product to 30 influencers end up posting 60 to 90 assets. That's per month. That's what you can expect. But we typically tell them budget 2% of your revenue but I would just back it out, right? I'm giving you all the numbers here. Out of the influencers that receive product, 30% of them end up posting on average two or three pieces of media. In order to send out 100 products, I'd reach out to five times that amount. Just figure out what you're able to budget though for this in product send outs internally, what you're comfortable with and go from there. But we typically recommend 2% of annual revenue for seeding product over the course of a year. I mean, if you think about it, you do that over the course of the year. Animal House Fitness at this point, they've been doing this for six months now they've had and granted we've scaled up this a little bit more than i'm communicating but we've had 987 profiles 987 influencers post 3162 pieces of media like just but that's the compounding value of this right as you do this every single month these influence your influencer lists that are posting for your brand free of cost in mass amounts is going to happen more and more as the months progress. Definitely. And even in terms of like working with creators and kind of figuring out like what makes the most sense for your brand, how much content do you think brands typically need? Um, Like I know we talked about content is king, but like even in terms of like having the right, having the right amount of creative to experiment and like run ads with and potentially like, you know, replace creative over there um, to keep creative fresh. Like how much content do brands like generally need and how many creators should they really like be working with kind of at minimum maybe um, when thinking through like 
a strategy of working with creators to kind of grow the business? What I would say minimum wise is just 2% of your annual revenue dedicated to seeding. But my answer to that question is I want as much creative as possible, right? Because when I repurpose this into paid media, and so we do seeding as an agency, we also run paid media as a separate service uh, just because we want control over the creative we're getting. Because in any month, we're getting 60 to 90 unique assets, right? For From the influencers that we're creating uh, content with from these seeding efforts. 60 to 90 unique assets, not iterations. Like this isn't a studio shoot where like we're going to provide 60 to 90 assets. These aren't iterations, they're, they're unique assets. So it can be turned into well over 100 ads. Not many agencies out there or not many media buyers out there that are working for brands internally are launching 100 ads in a month just because it's a lot of labor at the end of the day. That's my hypothesis at least. But how that translates into paid media at that point is I don't know how familiar with the listeners are with like dynamic, dynamic creative testing, but within Facebook ads, uh, you can launch basically what are called dynamic creative tests, where you can put into that dynamic creative test 10 pieces of creative. You can feed it those 10 variables. And basically, Facebook will then allocate the budget behind what it identifies as the cream of the crop creative, the top performing creative within a given audience that it's targeting. And you can set what are called cost cap bid strategies on those campaigns where, hey, Jay, you tell me your CPA target is 20 bucks. I set that campaign CPA target at 20 bucks. None of that creative that I put into the dynamic creative testing campaign will receive any spend unless it's hitting that $20 CPA. So no money is being wasted. Only spends going behind the top performing piece of creative as we lean into the machine learning system of Facebook, which is the smartest system in the world uh, with the amount of data that they have at their disposal. So yeah, if we have 100 ads, Jay, we launch all of those into 10 different dynamic creative tests, set cost caps accordingly where the brand uh, has given us their CPA target, and then we just allow Facebook to identify the top performing pieces of content. And then from there, about three pieces of creative within paid media on paid social typically, you know, rise as the cream of the crop out of the 10. And then, you know, three times 10, we've identified 30 top performing pieces of content and we launch those into three new top performing dynamic creative tests at that point. And we just keep that going as much as possible as creative comes in every week from our seeding efforts here. So as much as possible. I was just about to ask, actually, like, how often do you typically, like, try and swap out creative? And, like, I think that would be probably helpful for the brands, too, just knowing, like, you know, hey, if we're swapping out this often and this strategy is working, it's effective, it kind of gives them an idea of, like, how much creative they should potentially be generating as well. Yeah. Well, my answer to that is always going to be kind of just as much as possible, as much creative as you possibly can. That's obviously within, you know, that's financially feasible for your business. But that's why this is a pipeline of creative that is really cost effective, right? 60 to 90 unique assets for, you know, 100 products being sent out. That's great. But this strategy is set up within paid media on paid social to set up as many different pipelines as possible, right? Because all these campaigns are just different pipelines. Uh, where cost caps are set in place to where you're only spending that money if you're winning. So we're trying to find as many veins as possible to bleed dry. And so once one starts going, we want to just lean into that as much as possible. So basically, let's say we launch 10 campaigns, Jay. Five of them are spending, you know, there's 50 pieces of creative 
that are within those campaigns, they're all spending, they're beating the CPA target that we've set. Those are awesome. Great. I'm not going to touch those. I want to allow it to continue to optimize. They're getting 50 purchases per week. Those things are crushing. I don't want to touch it. Let's say the other five aren't hitting the CPA target. You know, with the cost cap set in place, the campaign stops spending as much. This creative's not winning at the, at, you know, what we're trying to do. So these pipelines aren't working. What we do there is we typically take, within a dynamic creative test, typically three pieces of content end up getting like 90% of the spend, as I'm sure a lot of people have seen that run paid media that are listening in. Typically, the top three pieces of creative receive most of the spend, and the bottom seven don't get as much. But if those bottom seven are within a campaign that's crushing our CPA target and that's winning, who's to say those bottom seven wouldn't work within a different campaign you know, that wasn't hitting the CPA target? They just may not be getting spend because you know, the top three are just outperforming that cost cap and that CPA target a lot more than they otherwise would have. So we typically repurpose those you know, bottom seven into a different campaign to test them separate from those top performers to see if those can start getting spent and see if they can start churning and beating the CPA target that is in place as well. And then again, we're just continuously repurposing the top performing pieces of content as well into top performing DCTs that are separate from the rest as well. We're doing this, like there's no limit to the amount of campaigns you can run, right? So we're just doing this as much as possible, spending as much volume as we can as we continue to beat that CPA target. So again, we're just setting up pipelines, getting as much volume as efficiently as possible. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D io slash podcast and look for the slack community link to claim your invite we hope to see you on there that makes a lot of sense over there so i'm assuming like even like running through that creative you're kind of running through it until it potentially stops performing at that target that you've set right exactly right and then we'll just as new creative comes in we just launch new campaigns Let's talk a little bit about even the discovery process for like kind of finding creators. Can you talk with us a little bit about finding that like creator product fit and how you work to establish that? Like what are some things that you're kind of looking for when you're researching creators to say, hey, this person might be a really good fit to potentially engage for content? Yeah. So obviously we lean into the brand for like the quantitative data, right? We help navigate that conversation with them, of course, but a lot of the time or every day, every week, the brand's always going to know, you know, their brand better than my team and us, right? So we really lean into them for the quantitative data that they want to see in the makeup of the influencer. So like the type of persona that's going to be representing them, the demographic they're going after. Again, we can help with that conversation based off like who is the customer profile, who's in Google Analytics that's actually purchasing this product. Etc. Once we have all of that, like I said, we plug that into our search engine that we use internally, Tagger. For identification purposes, again, most robust system out there. It's about $1,500 to $2,000 per month. If you're not willing to spend that and you're a listener that just wants to put this strategy to the test, again, I would recommend getting on Facebook Brand Collabs Manager. It's a free of cost search engine identification tool for influencers. 
once we have all that quantitative data, once we plug that all in, it obviously filters through all the people that match that well. And then we have a very white glove approach where Jay, I'm, I'm sure you would appreciate this. And I'm sure this is what goes into consideration when with trend. But what we're looking for are people that are phenomenal video content creators. Um, that is what uh, is just as important as these influencers being brand fits, persona fits, demographic fits. So how are we you know, identifying great video content creators? Do they capture my attention in the first three seconds? Are they charismatic? Are they thumb stopping the content that they're creating? Am I confident if I put product in their hands, would they be able to hit the value ads of my product? Do I see this person genuinely loving the product? Would their content lend authenticity before I reach out to them? Basically, long story short, the lens I'm looking through here is if I gave you product, Jay, would I be confident in the fact that you'd be able to sell me on that product through your video content that you're creating for the brand and ultimately posting and us ultimately repurposing into paid media and our other distribution channels? That was a great point that you brought up. So let's talk a little bit more about kind of the, the creative piece as well, the content that you're getting back. I guess how much when it comes to like figuring out like whether the content matches up with the brand values and like the key talking points and all of those things, like how much is it that, hey, we're going to just throw this into Facebook and see what really performs versus like, hey, let's take a look and make sure that all of this matches up with the brand story and what the product is all about um, and then make a decision on putting it into Facebook? Yeah, good question. People tend to allow human decision-making into the matter a little bit too much, just candidly. And so we'll have 100 assets, right? Or, you know, the influencer seeding program will produce 100 assets. And then if we're not running the paid media, we'll send it to whoever is, someone internally or someone at an agency. And what makes me and our team cringe is just when, like, they select five of their favorite videos and that's all they run. And it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, don't do that. Because what's in place within, you know, the strategy that we just kind of, you know, ran through really quickly with Dynamic Creative Test, there's cost caps set in place, right? So we're not going to put creative in, Jay, that where people are cussing and being a bad representation of your brand. But we do not want to allow human decision-making coming into the matter saying, we know this would perform. We know that wouldn't perform. This looks great. This is a so-so. I know this doesn't perform. Like, hey, these are all great, awesome opinions. Regardless, though, we should put it into the campaigns because at the end of the day, there's no harm, no foul, no loss of opportunity unless you don't launch that content. With cost caps set in place with these campaigns on Facebook, the only spend that's going to be spent is behind creative that Facebook identifies as a top performing piece of creative that very well may align with what you thought in the first place. But what if one of those pieces of content that you said were going to be trash, that you didn't think were going to win, that was a poor piece of creative? What if that's the piece of creative that ended up getting all the spend and it was crushing that CPA target that we have cost caps set in place? Because again, you're not going to waste any money with cost caps set in place on these Facebook paid media campaigns. The only way they get spent is if it wins. Otherwise, none of it will get spent. So again, the only way you lose, the only way you miss on the opportunity is if you do not put the creative into the account and let Facebook try to allow it to win and optimize. So obviously though, Jay, we're not running any creative that is a poor representation of the brand where people are cussing or you know anything that goes against 
their brand in any sort of way. That makes a lot of sense over there. And it's really just letting Facebook kind of do its thing and figure out how that works. Let's talk about like um, also like creators for working on different campaigns for different brands and things like that. I know you mentioned that, you know, the way that you and your team work is like, hey, like once we kind of get things going, we're going to scale this. We're going to start putting more money behind it. We're going to get more creative and things like that. Is there kind of like in how many creators like you kind of look at to work on like a campaign or is it really like, hey, like as many as we can continue to identify and continue to to work with, we're just going to keep going and the, the sky's kind of the limit there. Yeah, I mean, typically how we come alongside brands on a month-to-month basis is we're identifying and reaching out to 500 influencers per month. And that's probably where you've heard me on this podcast kind of allude to that number breakdown a majority of the time. So 500 influencers get reached out to, a minimum of 100 influencers end up getting product, and then a minimum of 30 influencers end up posting two to three assets each, 60 to 90 posts in total. Then we're following for uses, rights, repurposing that into paid. So that's like the average. Now, we tell everybody, hey, you can scale this up as much as you'd like. 1,000 influencers, 2,000 influencers, 10,000 influencers. But people typically are doing the 500 influencer identification outreach per month, ultimately getting to that sort of output. So talking about even like that process over there, and I know it's probably like, I'm not sure if it's like a monthly or quarterly or how you kind of approach that. Uh, So let's break down that process a little bit more as well. Like, how do you ensure that you're, you're getting creative from creators coming in consistently? Like, how often should you be going through this strategy or this process, like throughout the year? Um, and, And kind of like, describe to us or walk us through that piece as well. Yeah, so I mean, for the case study, uh, at least that we chatted about briefly with Animal House Fitness and what we do across the board for all our brands is we do this on a month-to-month basis. So every month of the year, again, you want to treat your influencer acquisition channel like you would any other channel. Are you going to turn off Facebook ads one month? Are you going to turn off your paid search one month? Are you going to turn off any of these other channels in any given month? So in the same line of thought, you want to be you know, seeding every month. And what I'll say as well, Jay, like after three months of seeding, so like quarterly, I would always recommend, and we come alongside brands in this way, but if you're doing this internally, after doing seeding for three months, I would recommend, you know, looking back at those past three months, analyzing and dissecting, you know, who were the top performers out of all the influencers that ended up posting free of cost. So like if we reached out to 500 influencers per month, you could ultimately see, and I'm just multiplying by three here, You've reached out to 1,500 influencers. You've sent product to 300 influencers at a minimum. And you saw 90 influencers post in total 180 to 270 assets organically, as well as repurpose that content into paid media. Hey, out of these 90 influencers, who are the top five to 10? And then let's go back to those individuals and build deeper relationships with them, getting you know ongoing organic content from them and getting ongoing just content creation from those individuals that have been proven to be top performers and as well as authentically just love your product. Because again, they posted free of cost, they granted usage rights free of cost. These are people that, you know, weren't under contract to do any of that. They just love your product and love how you started a relationship with them by seeding them, uh, no strings attached there. So, and then I would just continue to do that. You know, every month, continue to see product, like identify authentic lovers of your product who are end up posting free of cost. And then out of that bunch, identify the top performers, go deeper with them, 
build longer term relationships with them, rinse and repeat on a monthly basis. It's a cycle. That's really helpful advice. Just finding that process that that really works for you to deliver product to creators and get them to, to create creative. I know we've gone through a lot over here um, in about 30 minutes. So as we're kind of like wrapping up over here, one other question I'll leave you off with is what other kind of tips did you suggest for brands in terms of like managing creative or anything around like the content itself? Yeah, great question. And actually, I was going to say, I should make one last point here. So I want to give you guys like the tech stack to bring this to life. And one of them, one of the pieces of tech is to help manage the creative here. So tech stack wise, identification, that's the first step of this process, right? Tagger or Facebook Brand Collabs Manager. For product send outs, this is key, this is important. We use Arca as an outsourced preferred partner. I'd recommend checking those guys out. Arca uh, helps you create an unboxing experience for your product. That just lends itself to way greater post rates. You have to think about, you know, how can I make this more of a postable experience for the influencer? So when you send out products, if it's in an unboxing experience in comparison to like a yellow envelope or just basic packaging, it's going to lend itself to a greater experience for the influencer, a greater impression, just way higher post rates come from that. ARCA, A-R-K-A, that's our outsourced preferred partner, really cost effective. We use the Kinship Seeding app, little self-plug, but it just helps you uh, mass seed your product really efficiently. And then for creative, to circle it all back here, Jay, uh, to get to your question, we use Mighty Scout. Mighty Scout's a really cool tool. So obviously we don't have tracking links for these influencers, right? Uh, it's no strings attached. So we're not alluding to them posting in any sort of capacity. So no tracking link. So how the hell do we know when these posts go live and how do we know what happens? Basically, all the influencers that we see product to, we end up inputting their socials into a tool called Mighty Scout, M-I-G-H-T-Y Scout, S-C-O-U-T.com. And basically, in real time, Mighty Scout aggregates all the organic analytics around influencer posts that go live about your product and your brand, and then collects all those analytics, reports about it. And then the biggest value out, in my opinion, is you're able to download that content from their platform right there and then. Then we reformat it nine by 16, one by one, get a caption, create iterations off it, launch it into paid media. So Mighty Scout is a really valuable tool, super cost effective as well. Every username you input into their system is like two bucks a pop. And the back and forth that it would entail for you to get that content for the influencer to send it over to you would be a nightmare. So very much so worth the money. And then you get all the organic analytic tracking of it as well without you know, giving them a tracking link. So it's a win-win. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, that managing content part is super difficult and that's an awesome tech stack over there trend. I know the similar stuff as well in terms of the the content front to kind of put everything together, but those are all great ways to kind of manage that. And the key part, like you alluded to is it's all about the creative testing all that creative, uh, as much as you can and, and kind of learning as much as you can through Facebook. But Taylor, it was awesome having you on the podcast over here. Great time chatting about creator marketing, using creative, how to kind of think through some of this stuff, how much you should be testing, making sure you're removing biases and all that good stuff. So as we kind of wrap up over here, I'm going to turn the mic over to you one last time. Um, if you kind of want to share what are some things that you're working on, what's kind of next for you and uh, where people can also learn more and uh, connect with you as well. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in anything we just chatted about or influencer marketing in general, I would check out my partner and I on Twitter. Uh, my partner's name is Cody Wittick. 
Cody, and then Wittick is W-I-T-T-I-C-K. Then Taylor Legacy on Twitter as well. It's a great place to find us, a great place to just tune in and hear any other items that we have discussed about strategy-wise. And we just kind of, as you probably heard on this podcast, we very much so give away our strategy A through Z, and we're very transparent about it. There is just a lot of misinformation in the influencer space, as I'm sure you guys over at Trend are in the know of. And so we just want to make sure that people are going to try influencer marketing. You guys can get a win doing it in the most cost-effective way as possible. So just go try this out for yourself internally, see what happens. And then I look forward to hearing all the all the case studies that come from it. But that's what we'll be doing over here on RNJ. We'll be seeding product influencers, creating as much content as possible, trying to scale through paid social. Awesome. Well, excited to follow along everything that you're working on. Taylor, appreciate you joining on the the podcast. Great having you on here. Um, I know I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did as well. If you did, feel free to drop a quick rating and subscribe to the DTC pod. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us, Taylor. Thanks for having me, Jay. Appreciate the time.